0: out there in podcast land. You are such a doubt once again to Combat Sports' with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing Combat Sports podcast. We are on episode 53, and so I don't bear the lead, we've got a big one today, ladies and gentlemen. We have got UFC commentator supreme, John Anik, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm so stoked for you guys to hear him going 10 rounds with Rhino a little bit later. So let's go ahead and get into our schedule for today. On today's episode, we are going to have our coverage of Bellator 254, just main and co-main event. Uh, a quick review of Anthony Joshua versus Kubrat Pulev in heavyweight boxing the um Obviously, in our full breakdown of UFC 256 from last night. Uh, what a fucking card it was, too. Uh, Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Our main card picks for UFC Vegas 17. Some great Q&A with the Rhino gang today. And then, like I said, the aforementioned man-myth legend that the guy behind the mic, we're going to learn all a, bit, a little bit more about, our boy John Anik, when he goes center out to the Rhino. So, let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our and floppies on and dive right in. So, last Thursday, we had Bellator 254. For our co event, we had Magomed Magomedov versus Mateus Matos. This one was a nice decision win for Magomed. Got a UD three over Mateus. Uh, that was 135 pounds. Then moving into the 125 pal belt was on the line. We had our girl Ali Male Ali Male Ali Male Ali Male Ali Male taking on her very toughest test to date against Juliana Vasquez, ten and one fighter out of Brazil. What a fucking performance! That Juliana put on, got the unanimous decision, takes the belt away from Le. I'm still going to do that song if ever I talk about it <laughs> um, moving forward, but and McFarlane been a long-time champion, Bellator, and uh, Juliana got the big win taking it away from her. I We'll put up a huge cut on Alimale's island. Uh, that's going to take a long time to heal up. Great win for Juliana. That was the... Uh, Quick recap of our main and co-main events from Bellator 254. Uh, very briefly, the heavyweight bout between Anthony Joshua and uh, Kubrat Puliev came about last night from the UK uh, at Wembley Stadium. Anthony Joshua, you know, Uh, He's one of the three kings, as there is right now in the heavyweight division. And uh, so he got the win over Kubrat. And basically, this just sets up a Tyson Fury fight. That's that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see AJ versus Tyson Fury, the battle for Britain, the battle for supremacy in the heavyweight division. I want to see it. You want to see it. They all want to see it. We want to see it. Let's make it fucking happen and uh, get after that. So good win for Anthony Joshua. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the the real creme de la creme, the meat of the matter, right? UFC 256 from Las Vegas, Nevada, the Apex Center, Wow, what a card last night, dude! So we started off with Chase Hooper versus Pete Barrett. This was Pete Barrett winning the entire time. The team, the Bostonian, the Team set your Tong Mark DeGrati product was showing his superiority on the feet, right? His kicks, his punches, his uh, being able to shirk off takedowns. Great job from Peter the entire way through, and then <laughs> the middle of third round, Chase Hooper throws a fucking uh, in Minari role, grabs a hold of Peter's leg, does some of his, you know, jujitsu jitsu maneuvering, and pulls off a third-round submission by heel hook. So Chase Hooper got his ass kicked the entire time, gets a big sub in the third round. Great job for Chase. He really needs to improve on the feet. Uh, i really like to see Barrett come back. I liked him at 145. Uh, I like seeing him out there, and I guess, like I said, I, I'm guessing that he's going to shore up that um, on the ground and get a little bit better about be able to get rid of submissions. But Hooper is really, really good at getting submissions. That's his thing. So if you can avoid it like he did for two and a half rounds, I think Bear will be all right moving forward. All right, so big win for Chase Hooper. Uh, moving into the heartbreaker for the old Rhino for the night, Tisha Torres, the Tiny Tornado versus my girl, Sam. The Sam Page Hughes, just recent member of the uh, Rhino Gang. Sam was taking this fight on super short notice. Tisha Torres had months to prepare. She was preparing for Angela Hill, who unfortunately had to pull out due to COVID. Uh, Sam Hughes steps in on just a few days' notice. Sam came out and was throwing some leg kicks. Tisha Torres was throwing very fast hands, very quick combinations. A lot of them were falling short, but uh, as the round progressed, she was able to close the distance better, land a little bit more. I thought Sam looked good in the clinch. She looked stronger. Tisha did a good job of circling out of it and uh, continuing with her kicks and her punches and her flurrying. She looked really, really good. She looked very sharp. Um, again, so the so the so Sam took an eye injury uh, towards the end of the first in between rounds. They decided collectively that uh, she couldn't see out of it. It was time to call the fight. I got no problem with that. Tisha Torres, great win. Sam Hughes, full camp. She'll be back. Lover Team Sam pays for life. Uh, absolutely for sure, dude. So great win for Tisha Torres. Great, uh, great way to step up like a true warrior for Sam. All right. Moving into the 145 pound division. This was a fucking great fight. Billy Quarantino versus the tough Canadian Gavin Tucker. This was lots of action in the first round, dude. Both guys were catching, catching each other. Um, there was some nice, there was a nice head kick, uh, landed by Tucker uh, and a takedown. As far as as far as the second round goes, it really that was when Gavin Tucker seemed to start to pull away some. Right, he, he was cutting harder angles. That inside elbow was working good. Every time Billy pressed forward, which was almost the entire fight, they would kind of get clinched up and then they would throw a couple of knees. Gavin would block them and then circle off and land more shots. Uh, another takedown in the third for uh, for Gavin Tucker. He really dominated the second and the third round. Great win for him over a tough Billy Quarantillo by unanimous decision in the 145-pound division. Oh, man, moving into 155, dude. Anato Moicano versus uh, Rafael Fiziv, which I've been saying Fiziv the entire time, but it's Fiziv, okay? Uh, this one was super hard and super fast right from the jump. Really hard leg kicks and body kicks from Fiziv. Uh, Moicano's was throwing some really beautiful straight one-twos, even – um. Even Trevor Whitman commented about how much he liked that long straight jab, but then the straight two uh, that was following it up. It, it was really good work for Moicano, really but that fizzy, man, or fizzy, I should say, landed an unreal three-piece combo, dude. Left hook to the liver, right cross, left hook to the face, puts Moicano on his back, hit him again as he jumped on him. Referee stopped the fight. Um, Meccano, you know, said, oh, it was early, but he couldn't even stand up to get onto the stool, dude. He was really, really badly hurt. I thought it was a great stoppage. A fantastic win for for Rafael, and I can't wait to see what happens next with him. Uh, Juice asked me a great question about him coming up in the... Uh in the forum. So we'll, 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 dive into that a little bit further. Then Cubs Watson, the OG SoCal Supreme going against Dana Pineda. Daniel looked way bigger. He was throwing some huge leg kicks early. Definitely hurt cub uh, cubs hung in there. He slipped a couple nice punches. And before you know it, man, cub Swanson, he gets kind of backed up into the cage, throws a beautiful uppercut and then a straight right drops daniel Pineda to the ground got the second round ko for cub swanson yeah he was getting hurt a lot in the first but that's part of the game dude he managed to come back fire off looked great oh wow what a great performance by cub swanson i was super stoked on it already moving that was our future prelim at 145 moving our way into the uh into the 265 pound division on the main card we had Cyril gain versus jds um yeah, the the quick version is this. Cyril Gain is on the upswing. Junior Rosales is on the big time decline. Second round uh, TKO for Cyril Gain. He threw a beautiful elbow. Junior is the one who moved his head. So yeah, might have landed a little bit behind the ear, might a little bit a lot behind the head. I've got no problem with it because JDS was moving away. JDS goes down. Cyril throws a couple of uh, more GMP shots to the head. That's it, man. JDS former champion. I was a big fan of you for a long time. Uh, it's time to go, bro. It's time to step away at the very least go to a different promotion where uh, the the discrepancy is so big in the, in the talent pool at two sixty five. So yeah, I think that's the last we've seen is JDS and the UFC Cyril. You got some tough questions to, to answer coming up because it looks like you're on a collision course with somebody in the top three or four very, very soon. I can't wait to see it. All right. Moving into the 185 pound division, Kevin Holland, if there's a better Fighter of 2020 than Kevin Holland. I haven't seen him, dude. Five and oh in this year. Unbelievable going against the very tough, longtime veteran submission master Jacare Souza. I mean, we didn't have to wait long for this one, right? (laughs) They get, they go to the ground. Jacare is on top from bottom. Kevin Holland lands some elbows that really hurt Jacare. He kind of leans back. Holland kind of scoots to his butt. Throws a right kind of clips jacaray but still hurts him scoots even closer punches him again with another hook uh at this point um jacaray is kind of like has his back up against the fence uh, kind of in a sitting position holland is talking shit to him this whole time mind he's saying i dreamed this or whatever lands <laughs> a couple more shots from like standing over jacaray fights over holy shit kevin holland man fighter of the year you go five and zero in the ufc in one year uh, unbelievable dude great win for kevin holland huge fan i can't wait to see what's next he called out uh chemayev i don't know if that's what's gonna happen uh but we'll see holy crap what a year for him dude big ups to kevin holland all righty moving into the virna jandaroba versus Mackenzie Dern fight uh Dern- and Roba, I expected to go to the ground a lot more than they did. This was almost completely a stand-up. They were both throwing bombs. Uh, Mackenzie Dern showed her clear, vast improvement in her stand-up. Vierna has always been a good stand-up fighter with great cardio. Uh, These ladies went back and forth, dude. I thought Mackenzie won the first. I thought Virna won the second, and I gave the Third to Dern, but it was super-duper close. So, to me, this really could have gone either way. Dern showed very big toughness by fighting through a broken nose. She clearly got her nose broken. She (laughs) even said to Perillo, in the corner, she was like, "Is my nose working?" He's like, "No, no, you're good." <laughs> Which is what you got to do when you're in the corner. You got to let your fighter know that they're uh, indestructible, even when we all know that they're not. So, yeah, big win for Mackenzie Dern over and Janaroba. I thought it was a fantastic fight. We got a question about that a little bit later in the Rhino Gang Q and A as well. So let's move ahead and get into our co-main event of the evening. Wow. DuBronx did that thing last night, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I picked Charles Oliveira to win, um, and I thought it was going to, I thought he was going to sub Tony late. I did not, in my wildest imagination, think that Charles DuBronx Oliveira was going to dominate Tony Elkakui Ferguson from Bell to Bell. 30-26 times three from the judges. Charles took him down when he wanted to. He landed punches when he wanted to. It, it was just a one-sided affair. I am I going to sit here and say Tony's done? No, no, definitely not. But is Tony the Tony of five years ago? No. The Tony Ferguson that I fought that I saw fight uh, Barbosa was one of the most dangerous guys I've ever seen. That was one of the most beautiful displays of violence that I can remember in the octagon that Tony Ferguson has been, I don't know. I don't want to say he was, he was, shot through you know the fight with uh with justin gaethje that's not it but the accumulation the age everything's all kind of putting him a little bit further down than where he used to be so it was dubron time tony ferguson still a great fighter obviously i can't believe he didn't tap to that arm bar early on holy shit Tony Ferguson, no one can question his heart or his desire, but he got dominated start to finish. I don't think he's done necessarily, but again, we have to change our perspective on Tony Ferguson. He's not the Tony of even just a few years ago. So great win for Bronx. I believe he's right up there in that title picture. Yeah, we'll have to see, wait, see how that plays out. So D Reigns, it is, it is now time for the main event breakdown. So let's go ahead and give our girl Drea a call, and uh, we're going to go ahead and break this one down righty, folks, the Rhino gang Now we know it is main event time So we gotta bring our figure player Trey into the fold Holy crap, Dre Davidson, Figgy, Figueredo Versus Brandon Moreno last night What a fucking fight From start to finish Dude, back and forth, ebbs and flows Punches, elbows, takedowns Kicks, I mean they had a little bit of everything An unfortunate, terrible dick kick Included in that, but The right. fight itself was start to finish Was unbelievable, what was your take on it?
1: I honestly, I was literally on my feet the whole fight. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> sit down. Um, it was definitely just one of those ones that, you know, every two seconds you're like, oh, he's going to get it. Oh, he's going to get it. And it just went back and forth. And, um, you know, I I had picked Figueredo to win. More, uh, Moreno just freaking surprised the shit out of me, like in this fight. Um, it was awesome. So much um, back and forth, his takedowns, you know. Um, it was definitely something to watch. And definitely, I know a lot of people are talking about fight of the year. Like it was um, I think it's definitely a, a contender for that for sure. Definitely a great fight.
0: Yeah, it's for sure. In the conversation, uh, I'm going to have to watch it back at least two or three more times. In addition mm-hmm. to the other three or four candidates before I would literally make my like end of the year fight of the year pick. Right, However, of course. I will say this. The And there's a question about this when we get to the voicemail from the homie Jim soon. When there's, a, when there's a point deduction off of one foul, I have a really hard time with that, right? So did if, I. If that point deduction doesn't happen, then Figgy wins by unanimous decision, right? Right. Um, as it was, it turned out to be a majority draw, where two judges had it as a draw and one judge had it for Moreno. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. one judge had it for Figueredo. For Figueredo. Mm-hmm. So the unfortunate part is that... The one point deduction ended up being a determining factor of the outcome of the fight. I don't want that to take away from how great the fight itself was. So mm-hmm. again, majority draw. Figgy retains the 125 pound belts uh, in the flyweight division. It, it's one of those things where, obviously, it sets up a rematch. Right, that's the good that comes out of this. Not only do we get entertained as fans, but we got to settle it, dude. There's got to be the settling of it. Um, Figueredo versus Moreno has got to run back, I think. And I think that's what's going to end up happening as well, don't you?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, to be honest, I really think, um, as, as well as Moreno fought, you got to think for, for, uh, for Figgy doing that cut back to back. Well, I don't know. They both did. They both fought three weeks ago. I was going to say with Figueredo doing that cut that he did, but then he said, um, that he had a stomach issue and that he had was in the hospital the night before, like who knows how much that played in his performance last night. I mean, they both had a really awesome performance, but if that's true and that was a big factor for him, I think if he comes in on full camp with only one weight cut going into, um, it may be a different, uh, a different outcome, um, you know, in, in favor of Figueredo doing a little bit better, I think.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point on that. But also look at this. Listen to the stat line. It's just like paint a picture of how close it was. For a five round fight, that's 25 minutes of these guys going back and forth. The right. final strike count was 147 to 139. Like in a five round fight, that is so razor close. Uh, Figgy had two takedowns. Brandon had four takedowns. Mm-hmm. Again, it was just razor close. What a great fight. Kudos to both guys. Fantastic. So Moving on from last night's UFC 256, Drea, we all know your World Famous Drop (laughs) of the Night is on tap. Who did you pick for this week's World Famous Drea's Drop of the Night for my future player, Drea? Oh,
1: my God, right now. Last night's prelims and early main card were back-to-back KO, so it was definitely a tough decision uh, for me, but... I'm going to go with my heart, and the KO that was, I was most excited for was Cub Swanson. Um, Cub Swanson's KO over Daniel Pineda was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Swanson was connecting with a ton of good shots, and Pineda was you know, working through it. Um, but then just two minutes into round two, um, some clinch on the cage, and Cub gets out of the clinch, hits Pineda with a beautiful uppercut. And then this right hand that just lands perfectly, drops Pineda. Uh, Cub gets one more shot in on the ground before the ref ref stops it. Um, I thought it was a beautiful KO. Uh, So my drop of the night goes to Cub Swanson.
0: Drea's drop of the night goes to Cub Swanson, her fellow Californian and what a great fucking <laughs> drop it was. I totally co-sign on it. I love it. So, we've got our final card of the year next week. We've got UFC Vegas 17. So, let's go ahead and get our main card picks going. Now, this may not be the, I mean, this may be one or two extra. I'm not sure. Topology is always kind of dancing around what's main card I think it has 15
1: freedom. fights. It has 15 fights going. The week, <laughs> so, so, I'm we'll sure see. we may <laughs> not end up with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the main thing is Going. I doubt we, right. if we can fights. even
0: get 12. I'll be stoked. So we'll go ahead and right. do our picks we have now. So I'll go ahead and lead us off with the uh, Rob Font versus Marlon Marius fight. I've actually got Rob Font from the New England cartel, man. I got Rob Font just barely outpointing him for a unanimous decision. What about you on that one?
1: Um, I'm actually going to take Marlon Marais. Um I think it's going to be a close fight. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. Slobber knocker. I'm going unanimous decision, though, uh, for Marlon Marius.
0: Now, did you used to say slobber knocker, or is that something that I, I think thought, that's something you that's something probably it's rubbed off brain. on me.
1: I think I hear it so much that it's just kind of rubbed off. Then again, I hear it all, I, during the fights too. You might hear it sometimes when they're commentating. I, I've heard it a few times too. So I'm like, I guess I'll start using it too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, then we'll move into uh Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Alex Morono. Um, I think this is gonna be a really close fight. I think Morono looked great in his last performance, and we all know Pettis uh can really turn it on when he wants to or um, we know he has the capability of anyway so I got Anthony Pettis winning another very close decision over Alex Morono what about you on that one
1: I'm going Alex Morono uh, by split decision I think it's going to be a really close fight Um, I just for some reason I feel like the last couple fights for Anthony Pettis hasn't looked as good as you know as good as he has and Morono is really coming up so I'm going to take a split decision for Morono
0: Alrighty, moving into Talia Santos versus Jillian Robertson. I've got Santos in again, a very close. I got a split decision on this one. I got Talia Santos beating Jillian Robertson via split decision. What about you?
1: I'm going Jillian Robertson with a unanimous decision. I think this is like the most different (laughs) picks that we've had for a while. Um, I'm going opposite. I'm going to take Jillian Robertson. Um, with the unanimous decision.
0: I got a feeling we're going to be on the same page on this one. <laughs> uh, oh, I already know. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got, we got we Tyburra versus Greg Hardy. I hope again, always, it's always fuck Greg Hardy. It's always team whoever he's fighting. I got Marcin right. Tyburra versus Greg Hardy winning uh, second round TKO for Tyburra. What about you?
1: I am as well going Marcin Um but I'm going to clean KO. I'm going to do clean KO round two over Greg Hardy.
0: All righty. Then we got one I am very excited about. Detroit stand-up, Chaos Williams versus Mm -hmm. Michelle Spinny Shit, Eddie Gordo from Tekken, (laughs) Perrera. I got Chaos winning by a clean KO in the third. What's your call on that?
1: one? I'm with you all the way. I'm going Chaos Williams defeating uh, Pereira, but I'm going round two. I'm going to clean KO round
0: two righty what about you I'll let you go ahead and lead off what's your what's your next what's your pick for the next one
1: okay so next we have Jose Aldo uh versus Marlon Chito Vera and I think this is going to be as close as it could possibly be uh, but I'm going Aldo uh, via split decision over Cheeto Vera.
0: I've got Jose Aldo winning over Vera TKO in the third and I think it's, I'm going to call it real specific I think it's going to be leg kicks I've got leg kicks in the third Jose Aldo wins. All right, moving into our main event for next week. My dude, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal, the very tough and very skilled Jeff Neal. Um uh, I've got Wonderboy winning by a clear UD. I mean like 4 rounds to 1. I think that's right. what's going to be. I got Wonderboy winning clear UD over Jeff Neal. what about you?
1: Um, I'm with you. I'm going uh Wonder boy defeating Neil uh via unanimous decision. And I have to point out I was talking to my picks over with my my son a little while ago and when I mentioned that fight, he's like, Oh, Jeff, who the hell is that Neil? <laughs> I'm like
0: it's not what? very nice.
1: <laughs> I just thought, oh my gosh, you know who he is. He goes, Yeah, everyone does, but they really don't. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay, <laughs> so we're going Stephen Thompson over, uh, Jeff and you know,
0: all right. So those are the, uh, CSWR cruise picks for UFC Vegas 17. Let's go ahead and dive into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from Jay Marietta. And hey, what do you got this week, Jay? It appears the UFC is
1: getting ready to release a bunch of UFC talent and recruiting uh, Dana White Contender Series fighters for significantly cheaper. I assume, in addition to Yoel Romero, we'll also see other vets with high pay costs that are are on a losing streak. This sounds like it's the perfect opportunity for organizations like Bellator that have trouble finding top-tier talent. Do you think that losing vets to Bellator will potentially pull people away from the UFC to see these much-loved fighters rather than seeing the new flavor of the day fighters um, that seem to be taking their place. No disrespect to the newer fighters.
0: Oh, that's a great question, Jay. I think maybe on a small scale there will be some loyalists. You know what I mean? Who follow their fighters who are like their guys or girls um, after the UFC cuts them and Bellator signs them. I don't think it's going to be as many as a lot of people might be anticipating. I think Scott Coker. I talked about this a little bit last week on the show. I think Scott Coker is trying to distance himself from the "we'll take all of the UFC castoffs" perception that a lot of you know a lot of people have about about Bellator. Um, so yeah, of course there'll be some. You know. It depends Depending on how many get cut, there's at least going to be a handful of fighters who get signed by Bellator from the UFC. But I think besides that, I don't think there's going to be a big jump or bump in viewership because of that. I really don't. I think it's going to be a very small number, and I don't think there's going to be as many people signed over to Bellator who are cut by the UFC. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be end up fighting... On regional circuits, I really do. I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe some PFL, maybe some Cage Warriors, maybe some LFA. I mean, these are all possibilities. But I don't think there's going to be a huge influx over to Bellator. I just don't. So that's a great question, Jay. Thank you very much, my friend. Our next one comes from Warhorse Shay, my girl. What do you got this week, Shay?
1: Do you think Dern versus Verna deserve bonuses for last night's performances?
0: Deserve? Yes. Are they going to get? I don't know. So here's the problem. They did it. (laughs) <laughs> right. But but I mean we, <laughs> there's always the hope of like um you know some uh something we don't necessarily see. Some, the yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. The, the <laughs> you know what I mean? Nice. Right. So so Mackenzie Dern and Virna Janaroba definitely deserve bonuses, there's no question. They put it on from the start to the finish. It was great fight. Uh the the unfortunate part is obviously on a, on a normal card for sure. They could know they would have been in contention for that. But, but with the you competition a, they had. Right, the that's the problem. There were so many yeah. good fights on and then obviously when you have a fight of the year candidate it's so hard they're going to get overshadowed unfortunately you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, especially because there wasn't a finish or a big uh, a big KO you know what I mean that really they, the, the, the good, the good unanimous decisions kind of get swallowed up sometimes um, I, I think that they definitely deserve it are they going to get it I hope on some backdoor unbeknownst to all of the rest of us I hope they get some kind of extra you know what I'm saying right I agree The biggest takeaway from that fight for me was the improved stand-up of Dern and her toughness. Uh, Again, the early broken nose. Jan Aroba is such a strong striker at 115, Uh, but but again, this was an amazing showing of Dern being like, I don't have to go to the ground to win, right? She didn't have to take her down. She didn't have to use her amazing jujitsu. She didn't have to submit her, and she got to win. Now, Could a case be made for Vienna won that fight? Absolutely. It was really, really close. And I wouldn't have had a problem at all with Jander Robo getting the win on that one, right? But it was a close fight. It was a great fight. Did they deserve a bonus? Yes. Did they get one? No, but maybe they got one that we just don't know about. At least that's the biggest what I hope for. So, Shay, thank you very, very, very much, my friend. Alrighty, so that is going to be our end of our twitter questions so before we get into the voice question let's go ahead and say adieu to our very special feature play adrea and uh thank you so much for rocking it out again this week my 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 friend of course
1: no problem all right well we'll see you next week
0: all righty folks let's go ahead and get into our voice questions our first one comes from my dear homie dave frets at dave frets on twitter and instagram the eyes of graphic design if you will dave frets what do you got for us this week my dude Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz on Twitter and on Instagram. Question for you today. Going into next year, uh, you're hired by the UFC, and Dana White puts you in charge of operations, and you get to make three changes uh, across the sport, across the UFC, uh, how things are done, what are those three things, and why. Talk to you soon, man. Peace. Oh, man. Great question. So the first one, minimum, minimum of 50 K per fight per fighter, and then an additional 10 K to win. That's every fight. That's every prelim, early prelim, main fight. minimum $50,000 to show and fight an additional 10,000 to win. That'd be my, one of my first uh, orders of duty, I guess. And I was put in that position. Second, if you're signed to a contract and actively trying to get a fight, if you go an entire calendar year where you don't get one, where your opponent drops out or the, or or there's a medical problem or something with your opponent, but not you, I think you should get a, a some sort of paycheck for that year. Like let's say you were signed to the UFC uh, in 2019 and you tried to get three fights and all three of your opponents, you know, fell through and it didn't work out. I think you should still get a paycheck. That would be something that would absolutely implement as well. Uh third, finally want to take care of this missing weight deal, right? Again, an, an amendment is this does not pertain to people who've taken fights on short notice. This is a, you know, if you, you, you got at least 2 months notice and you miss weight by more than a pound, right? You've got to forfeit not only uh 30% of your purse, but you are taking a point away right? You're starting at a 10, nine a disadvantage in the first round. That's what would happen if you're missing over a pound. So two pounds, you got to fucking give up your purse, not your whole purse, but 30%. And you are starting at a one point deduction. And if it happens more than once, so on the second time doing it, you are fucking bumped up to the next hopper weight class for your next fight or your contract is null and void, period, exclamation point. No more of this missing weight nonsense. Again, not for pertaining to short-notice fighters. So that's me, that would be my first three that I could think of. Uh, Dave Fretz, so great question. If you guys haven't already, absolutely check it out. Dave Fretz on uh, his Twitter and Instagram page. The dude is the master of these posters. He is the eye-side of graphic design. Great guy. Love him. Thank you, Dave Fretz, for that question. Already moving into the next question from my girl Gina from the WOCast Shots Fire Pod. Um, what do you got for us this week, Gina?
1: Hey, hey, what's up, Rhino? This is just Gina MMA from the WOCast. What's going on? So I know we just had this really exciting fight card and we're all buzzing from it. But I want to ask you a personal question. Name a guest on your show that literally gave you like the jitters or someone that made you nervous while you were interviewing them. Name a guest that had you like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm interviewing this person. And how did you deal with those nerves? Love the show. Love you. And I'll be listening for this answer and also your take on UFC
0: 256 because that card was nuts. Have a good one. Oh my gosh. I knew the answer right away. <laughs> Listen to this. It's John Wayne Parr, dude. Like I've been a forever fan of John Wayne Parr. Uh, watching his Muay Thai fights as far back as I can remember. Um, lots of fights over the years. And I was like, man, I really like him. And then when you hear him talk, he's such a wonderful, funny, kind, engaging human being. Right. So I was already a fan. Then in 2008, he was, uh, a contestant on the contender series, Asia, right the, way back in 08 and i, and I watched that and he got to know him even more and i was like man i was like i was like enamored with the guy i loved his fight style i loved his go get it attitude i loved everything about the dude so i was a total stan and then for for a long time i listened to the joe rogan podcast when he was having fighters on right when it was mainly fighters i would listen to all of almost all of them uh and then john wayne Parr was not on once but on twice on the joe rogan experience and so when he said yes to coming on my show this was early this was in the first couple of months of I mean doing the show for sure uh And when he said yes and he came out I was super nervous dude but I don't think I let on I think I held a good poker face and uh, he was really easy to talk to and this was before the 10 rounds with Rhino format so we just we just chit chatted and we know I asked him some questions and he really was forthcoming and super cool made me feel even more comfortable it was a great interview Uh, I loved it but that was definitely the one Gina that fucking had me uh, with a tight stomach and worried and sweaty palms and the whole bit about it We got on the air, but once you did, it was all gravy. So, thank you so much. If you guys don't already, absolutely check out Gina and Mike and Kairos and at the Shots Fire and wokecast Pods. Unbelievably talented people, fantastic shows. And, my dear friend, thank you so much, Gina. Love you. All righty, I know the third question comes from our dear homie, Juice from the Breaking the Fourth Wall Pod. What do you got this week, Juicy Fruit, baby?
2: What's up, Rhino? This is Juice from the formerly of the Finding With Myself podcast. Um, I'm working on. My return to MMA, bringing a new MMA podcast to the, the sphere in 2021. So, uh, I watched last night's card from top to bottom. And, uh, first of all, we're going to pour one out for our girl, Sam Page. That was really unfortunate. Sammy, if you're listening, the Rhino gang loves you. Rhino gang, gang, gang. And, you know, I want to talk about Rafael Fiziev versus Hanato Moikano. And there's a lot of people on my Twitter who think Moikano's the next big thing. And I have to say, if you're one of those people listening, you ain't shit, bro. I called this shit last month. uh. So I want to know, what do you think is Fazeev's ceiling, and who would you like to see him face next? I like the Dariush fight, but I want to know what you think. Get at me. Rafael
0: Fazeev, his ceiling is the title belt. <laughs> that's That's his ceiling. There is very rarely does somebody come along who has this kind of striking prowess, who seems to be able to not get taken down, who has just this dynamic style and confidence too. The dude's got drip for days. He is extremely well-rounded. His striking obviously is the, is the main event of his repertoire, right? But he's shown that he can get off his back. He shows it's really hard to take him down. He is a fantastic, multifaceted guy with the ego and the confidence to boot, I think he could absolutely be a 155 pound champion um, in the ensuing years. So, a lot of people are talking about now what's next for him being um, Benil Daryush. I think that's a great fight, and I think that's a fight that should be made. The the other ones I was thinking about was um, since Makachev and Dober are, are apparently going to be fighting uh, fairly soon, like in the next couple of months, let's let the winner of Benil Daryush and Faziv, which I think is going to be Faziv. Uh, fight the winner of Makachev and Dober. I think that's a great, you know, kind of one-two punch as far as kind of to get some more clarity in in a very jumbled 125, 125, 155-pound division, dude. So, yeah, I would like to see him fight banil and then take on the winner of makachev and dober should that fight happen so great question juice if you guys are fans of um the theater absolutely check out juice at the Breaking the fourth wall pod uh he goes over musicals and plays he's very in-depth and passionate and knowledgeable and i don't even i'm not even a big musical or theater guy but i listen to my my boy juice out there and it really he paints a great picture so fantastic stuff juice uh thank you very much brother and I know our last voice question comes from the big homie, Jim Assoon. Jim, what do you got this week, my dude?
3: What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and Rhino Gang, hope you all doing well. And my question for you this week is uh, the point deduction from Figgy. What's your thoughts on that? I personally thought it was bullshit. It was his first dick kick of the fight, and you take a point right away. I understand that, you know, there was an eye poke or something like that before, and I get that. But you can clearly see he was trying to do a front kick, and a fucking hit him in the cup. The first one, and you take a point from a title fight. Fucking Chase Hooper kicked a gun in the nuts twice, and fucking no fucking point deduction, just a fucking stern foul. I'm fucking pissed, man. It's bullshit. Plus, that judge fucking scores the last round for uh, Brandon Moreno. Brandon did not win that last round. We all know that. I'm thinking he'd fucking land a punch for fuck's sakes. Anyways, you know, it's always 420 kids. Peace.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree with you, Jim. I thought clear as day he was just trying to front kick. Uh, unfortunately, it really landed hard and hurt Brandon. But that, to me, is not enough of an excuse for Herzog well. to take away a point. It was not, to me it was not intentional at all he was trying to fucking throw a kick and he hit him low and it was bad and brandy got hurt for a while and needed some time to recover that does not equate to taking a point away um there should have been a warning for sure should have given brand all the time he needed to recover but there should no way of that but a point take it away the only time a point should be taken away on the first time foul is if it looks really egregious i'm talking about like a clear eye poke where you were trying to do it or something really gnarly like that would be a a, a case for a point being taken away in the first fucking offense this was not that I thought it was bullshit I'm right on board with you Uh, it really changed the outcome of the fight so it's very unfortunate very unfortunate situation, dude. I don't know. Yeah. Again, there should have been a warning, not a point deduction in my opinion as well. So I'm with you, my dude, uh, Big Jim. Thank you so much for calling in, my friend. Hope your dad's doing better. I was so relieved to see him uh, sitting up in that picture that you posted. Very, very cool, man. Uh, We we all love you over here at CSWR and are thinking good thoughts. So thank you very much, my dude, Jim. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the amazing 10 rounds of rhino i had with john attic let's hear a real quick word from our sponsor hey rhino gang are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together maybe make it feel a little bit more homey how about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room we'll look no further than my good friends at k&r designs you got a piece of furniture that needs restoration they got you covered Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands. Any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, kandrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs. Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino gang, we've got ourselves quite a special guest for our show today. Going 10 rounds with Rhino. We have the UFC commentator supreme, John Anik. John, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend.
4: Todd, pleasure to be with you. I don't know how my cardio is going to stack up for 10 rounds, but we will (laughs) will do our best. (laughs) (laughs)
0: If if I can do it, you can do it, I (laughs) I completely assure you. Um, So, dude, let's dive right in, John. Uh, You've been a combat sports commentator for quite a while now. What were some of your first combat sports memories? Like, how would you first get into combat sports?
4: It's crazy when you get old and you think back at all the different life experiences and professional experiences you've had. And I'm coming up on a decade with the UFC, but it's hard for me to not think back to – Bellator season one, episode one in 2009. And at that time I was sort of ESPN's mixed martial arts guy. So when Bellator launched, Bjorn Rebney needed an English play-by-play guy. And, and I don't know if I was his first phone call, but I was one of his first few phone calls. And I was at a time in my life at ESPN where I was happy, but I was not fully contented. I was not getting a lot of play-by-play opportunities in Bristol. And I felt like I just wanted to to see if I could hang in that space, and I was sick of being a highlight machine sitting on a desk all the time. So it really felt like it was a gift from God, but I did say to my wife, when, and I'll never forget being in my apartment in Danbury, Connecticut, when Bjorn called me, and I took the call. It was probably stoned, you know, and uh, <laughs> I said, I'm honored. I got off the phone, and I said to my wife, I was like, I think they got the wrong guy. You know, I don't know if I can do this. I've called other sporting events. I've never called a fight in my life, but – For me, because I hosted the Mouthpiece Boxing Show and had been in the combat sports space when not a lot of people in Bristol were, that's what got me into MMA Live in 2008 and ultimately what got me into Bellator and play-by-play in 2009. So that's kind of how it happened for me. I was very much a stick-and-ball guy growing up in Boston, Massachusetts. I did not uh, practice martial arts and sort of weird where life takes you, but now this is obviously my foremost passion, and I'm thankful that things fell the way they did.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. Now, John, you and I talked a little bit off the air. We're almost the exact same age. We're literally a day apart. So I, being a Detroit guy and you being a Boston guy, I vividly remember the mid-'80s rivalry between the Celtics and my Detroit. you your Celtics and my Pistons. Were you a
4: big-time uh, Celtics guy growing up? Oh, huge. You know, I ended up being a season ticket holder for two years uh, in 2002 and 2003, sitting up in the bleeds were uh, some of the early Antoine Walker years. But yeah, I mean, when you grow up in Boston, the Red Sox, the Celtics, not the Patriots necessarily back then, but whether you like it or not, that's what's on TV, you know? So yeah, I mean, some of my first memories were watching the Celtics win the title in 86, having my dad wake me up to see the ball go through Bill Buckner's legs that same year, you know? So Absolutely. Uh, I bleed green and uh, I'm a huge Danny Age fan. I think he's he's really an elite executive. And uh, I know it's been a little bit of a challenging offseason for the Celtics. But uh, no, I've I've never been a bigger Celtics fan than I was, obviously, when I was going to 41 home games a year. But I track them. uh, If I'm not watching, I'm tracking those box scores every day for sure.
0: Very cool, man. So, again, we're talking about Boston sports a little bit. When you were growing up there, what were some of the sports you decided to play?
4: So basketball was my best sport. You know, I was the captain of my high school team and uh, I played tennis in high school as well. Uh, I guess my biggest regret was not playing football very long, you know, I did write a college essay on that being my biggest regret because my family was a football family. My family had season tickets for the New England Patriots dating to the 1970s. So Schaefer Stadium, Sullivan Stadium, Foxborough Stadium, sitting on metal bleachers to eventually the the time where my grandfather was able to get a suite on the 50-yard line. But I went to so many Patriots games when they were the laughing stock of the NFL and they couldn't win a goddamn football game, you know, so now in my life, I have a healthy appreciation for all the success that that team has had. But I wish I played football. You know, soccer's big in Massachusetts. So I played soccer until I was about 17. And uh, I was a goalkeeper because I didn't feel like running all over the goddamn <laughs> joint. <laughs> but for me, it was really, it was basketball, it was tennis, it was baseball, and uh, never really martial arts, you know, I've done some jiu later in life reluctantly, but for me, it was it was really just about basketball, you know, in high school, like, what would we do? You know, yeah, we would drink and smoke weed, but after we would do that, we would just play basketball all night, like, that was what we would do to party.
0: Oh, yeah, dude, I was a, I was a psycho basketball, I was my captain of my basketball team, dude, that was all I loved growing up, I, mean, I loved the Lions, too, but I, you know, I liked playing football, but I wasn't great at football i just enjoyed it a lot you know what i mean but yeah basketball was absolutely my favorite thing too before i started boxing i got into boxing way later tonight not not being a fan but actually participating i didn't turn pro until i was fucking almost 30 years old so uh yeah dude i was a late starter at that for sure uh you had a great piece the other night um when when referencing Stuart scott right um and, and just like you he was one of my favorite broadcasters, not just in sports, but just in general uh, growing up. I loved his passion. I loved listening to him talk. I love the way that he could tell a story and paint such a vivid picture. Who are some other guys kind of on the come up that you were like, man, I really appreciate how well they can articulate what's happening in front of me in the sports world?
4: It's a great question. And I know, but even when the name Stuart Scott is uttered, I feel sort of this sadness come over me because... Yeah when we launched MMA Live in 2008, and I'll be quick on this, Todd, but like he probably should have been the guy, and I was the guy who got that seat to host that show, yet he was the high-profile guy, he was the lifelong martial artist, and he was probably, well, he wasn't a bigger UFC fan at that time. I was rabid, so I had that going for me, but he just embraced me to such an extent when he didn't have to, and uh, I just will be eternally appreciative of that. I, I was able to to have a moment with him at, at a UFC event that he went to after I had taken the job as well, and just a special, special human being. But for me, it's all about Sean McDonough when I get asked this question. You know, I got to, oh, wow. I got to do updates on Sean McDonough's radio show at the Sporting News Radio Boston affiliate 1510 The Zone back in the day where I eventually went on to to host a show afternoon drive with Ryan Rosillo and Anthony Pepe. But I'll never forget doing an update on Sean McDonough's show because the first time I went in there, I said, first ever in my update. And so I finished my update, and Sean has me stick around on the air. And he's like, what's your name? You know, John You know, And uh, he's like, hey, first ever is redundant. And it is one of the most overused phrases in the sports media vernacular today. Impactful and first ever, right, are totally overused. And neither one of them make any sense, if you think about it, right? (laughs) So Sean McDonough is telling me, he's like, it's the first parade. You know, it's not the first ever parade, it's redundant, right? So you'll never hear me say first ever, and a lot of people say it, it really is redundant. And impactful is a totally made up word. Something either has impact or it doesn't. So I try to avoid those. But Sean McDonald was an early influence on me and Certainly, if there's anybody that I have tried to mold my play-by-play style after, it is probably that guy, and uh, certainly you take bits from from Doc Emmerich and and Brent Musburger and others, but growing up in Boston, Sean McDonough was the guy. I was so upset when when Don Orsillo got that Red Sox job and and McDonough was gone. Thankfully, order has been restored a little bit, and McDonough is back doing some games regionally, but uh, I love Sean. Tremendous guy, tremendous broadcaster, and... uh, you know, hopefully one day I can get some of those high-profile assignments that he has held down for for many, many years.
0: Absolutely, my dude. So, John, you have a degree in political journalism. Is that is that a field you see yourself ever going back into later down the later later down the line?
4: Not journalism, but I do plan to make a pivot and and go work for Brian Stan whenever he decides to go down the political road. The thing about Brian Stan is that he. He doesn't want to go into politics unless he has a shot at the Oval Office, and that's the truth, right? He ain't going to go be a senator in the state of Georgia if he doesn't think he can parlay that to the United States presidency. So I have talked with him ad nauseum about a role in his cabinet. You know, I asked him if I could be the chief of staff, and he said kindly, there's no fucking way you're my chief of staff. (laughs) I don't know if it's because I have too many skeletons in my closet or what, but he was like, maybe press secretary. But no, I mean, I don't necessarily enjoy politics, but I also know that I'm not going to do this forever, so I do plan to make a pivot and try to go work for him, you know, when he's in his 50s or so. It's probably 10 or 12 years away, but absolutely, I have aspirations to... uh, to help this country more than I'm doing right now. I mean, I understand that there's value in what we do and providing a release and entertainment for people, but uh, I don't feel like I'm affecting a lot of change compared to when I was, you know, doing job placement for autistic teenagers per se. So I do plan to align with Stan in the day. And uh, who knows, Todd? I mean, by that point, he might not want me as part of his cabinet, but I feel like I got (laughs) that track. And uh, all Stan would have to do is call me and say, I'd like you to come work for me. I would take the pay cut and I would go work.
0: Very, very cool, man. And there's, uh, there's another there's another connection. That's, that's what I do for a career. I work with uh, autistic elementary students. So that's pretty fucking cool, bro. I really appreciate that about you. Um, so here's a fun little trivia question, a little uh, John Anik trivia here. What do you, former Bravo TV star Carson Kressley and politician Ron Paul, all have in common?
4: Wow. I mean, do I, gosh, do we have the same birthday? I don't know.
0: You do not. You guys all attended Gettysburg College in beautiful Pennsylvania. Wow. You guys are alumni of Gettysburg.
4: Ron Paul went to Gettysburg College he did how about that the more you know Todd that's interesting for me it was really a
0: lot better that you didn't it worked a lot better that you didn't know the answer yeah no that
4: was good that was good I know we were talking about our birthdays (laughs) off the air so that would have been too easy but right right right. when I was Um, applying to colleges it was I mean I was not a great student I could always sort of write my way out of a wet paper bag or whatever and I would sort of write myself out of a lot of situations. But like I never read a book. I never read a textbook that was assigned. And so when it came time to apply to colleges, I think my SATs were like 1140 or something. I sat down with two applications, one to Syracuse University, one to Gettysburg College. I was going to apply early to one of them and be done with it. And I'll be honest with you, Gettysburg had the common app. Syracuse has seemed a lot more involved. I applied early to Gettysburg, got in, and that was my whole collegiate application processing. But I would have probably saved a lot of time and money had I gone to Syracuse and gotten on that career trajectory earlier. But uh, I'm thankful for the lessons learned along the way. And, uh, and I guess it worked out in the end, at least for now.
0: Yeah, I'd say it worked out pretty well for you, dude. <laughs> so, John, you were front and center for... It, obviously an, an unfortunate event, but it, it did come up with one of those iconic sports, at least for me, uh, commentary moments. So in baseball, obviously we have the Giants win the pennant. If you're a pro wrestling fan, uh, when Mick Foley got thrown off the cage by the Undertaker, it was, as God is my witness, he was broken in half. You <laughs> know what I mean? But you, you have the one for me that just, I know exactly where I was. I know exactly uh, what was going through my mind and through my, you know, through my emotions when I heard mayhem. And, yeah, and that was the night of the Habib jumping over the cage uh, going after Dylan Dennis and crew. Can you kind of walk us through what was going on for you like physically? like were you getting pushed around? Were you getting jostled? Were, were you able to stay away from it? Kind of walk us through your experience during that melee.
4: I wish. I want in the action. I wish I was the guy in Mexico City when they were throwing beer bottles. I would love to take one of those off the back of the head. That's what I'm looking for, (laughs) bro. If I'm being completely transparent and honest with you, I want chaos. I want mayhem. Now, do I need it after the biggest fight I had ever called? Probably not. So – If you go into that live event, UFC 229, singularly, that was the biggest live event that I had ever called with that main event between Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. And right after it ends, you go from calling a fight to calling a brawl. And I think not unlike a lot of different parts of this job, you just let your instincts take over. And it's like, all right, well— this is what's happening in front of me. I know we're not doing radio, but I might as well relay it. And maybe there will be a message from the truck at some point in time that says, Hey dude, stop pumping up the brawl. Stop giving the brawl all this attention. And you, you probably notice if you watch it back at one point, our cameras pan away or we go to a different camera and they no longer are filming the brawl. So at some point we do kind of lay out and, and let it move on. But, uh, I was just calling it the way I see it. It was a really surreal night. I remember getting a call from Daniel Cormier after the fact, and he kind of felt like Dom and Joe and I maybe, um, were unfair to Habib in that moment. And I'm never trying to, to upset my guy DC. So it was just an emotional night in a lot of respects. And, uh, it, it is always wild opening up your social media uh, the next day after a night like that. But, uh, yeah, all's well that ends well, man. It, it worked out, and, and obviously that's uh, a call that they have repurposed many times after the fact.
0: Yeah, dude, absolutely. So those of, those of you out there who are uh, kind of new to the MMA podcast game, John has one of the funniest, most in-depth, and well-done In the entire game uh, with the Anik Florian podcast, can you just kind of give us a a rundown of how that came to be and kind of what's been going on lately within your show?
4: Well, I appreciate that, man. You know, I went to Kenny Florian in 2014, and he was still calling fights with me at that point in time. But I said, hey, man, you know, I've talked to Rogan. I want to be in this podcast space. I mean, Joe was really the inspiration for me. I also wanted to have an outlet and a platform after these live events other than just pushing out a tweet where I could, you know, talk to fans and and provide them with some free content. You know, our podcast will always be free. It will never be behind a paywall. I do not make a lot of money on it at all. We barely make enough money just to sort of pay our producers and co-hosts and everything else. Uh, But basically, finally, in early 2015, Kenny was able to commit. Because when I went to him in 2014, and you know this all too well, Todd, I said, we got to go every week. So if you can't commit to going every Monday, then... Don't talk to me. And so it took a while. And then finally, April of 2015, he was able to commit to doing it every week. And we've essentially been live every Sunday or Monday ever since. So uh, I love doing it. You know, obviously, it allows me to get some stuff off my chest. And, and as you know, it kind of does itself right. I mean, the UFC is live 80 percent of weekends all year. And uh, there's never not something to talk about. I think we could go right. five days a week pretty easily. So it's a labor of love for me. And, uh, you know, thankfully, the, the fans have responded in kind
0: yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. And consistency is absolutely the key in anything, uh, but especially in something like, you know, what we do with our, with our podcast. The, uh, the funny thing is, is that you're actually so we had our 52nd episode uh, last week and you're going to be on our 53rd. But you and I are interviewing today on December the 8th, which is the actual one year anniversary of my first show. Episode one of Combat Sports with Rhino, so a very special occasion for me. It means a lot to me that you were able to come on, John. If you wouldn't mind, can you uh, can you rattle off your socials so me and the rest of the fans uh, can kind of follow you along and see what's going on with John Anik in the day to day?
4: Of course, my man, and I appreciate it. And see what I mean, man? You've gone essentially every, not a week without missing a show, and that's how you gain right. traction, build an audience, and uh, I, I I give you a lot of credit for that. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, it's at Anik Florian Pod. On both Instagram and Twitter, you can find me uh, at J-O-N underscore A-N-I-K. I I don't know what to tell you with that underscore, Toddy, but, uh, you know, (laughs) when I tried to get John Anik, it was already taken. So we got the underscore, but, uh, yeah, social media is a beast in and of itself, but I think it's an inconvenient truth and kind of a necessary evil to what we do. So I appreciate the plug.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, I can't tell you once again how appreciative I am for you to be on today.
4: You got it, my man. Best of luck with the show. Hey guys, this is UFC play-by-play voice John Annick and I just went 10 full rounds with Rhino. If you want to talk about like
0: broadcasting and MMA being two things that I love an incredible amount and then putting them together, you got John Anik, dude. It was a fucking privilege to talk to that guy. He was amazingly cool, calm, comfortable. Uh, it was a it was like talking to a buddy. I think it's because partly because we're, we're literally the exact same age except for like 24 hours. Like we're 24 hours apart, same same year, one day apart. Uh, I think that was absolutely part of it. I'm so appreciative of John coming on the show, man. That was a dream come true. Fantastic stuff. I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed it anyway. So, let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs and our outros to everybody who participated today absolutely uh absolutely to my boy uh team marietta jay absolutely to war horse Shea, to the people who called in for your write-ins to the people who called in gina dave frets my homie jim asoon juicy fruit bebe everybody else who participates lanta brown my girl Brat miss fight diva sin city, Sarah, the homie D crons, uh, who else I got on the top of my head, my boy, Scott Nolan, the new dad, everybody who's a participant who is, who is listening every week. You guys are all the best. Thank you so much. Of course, the backbone of this operation, uh, we got Dave Fretz, the inside of gravity design. We've got the best engineer in the biz D rays. We got Dre on my future player. Thank you guys so much for every week, all your hard work. Obviously, I I am super stoked for next week. I can't wait for it. I'm super proud of this episode. I hope you guys really, really uh, enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it. We will see you next week. I am so stoked. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. K-Sun!